Hey everybody, welcome to the Slick Tree Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Langford. The point of this show is to help improve ourselves as dogmen and to raise the quality of the dogs on the end of our lead. So let's settle in, turn the volume up, and let's see if we can't learn a trick or two together from our guests. Been a while. I ain't played since this summer. Yeah. What are you playing? Feathered Indians. Oh, okay. Yeah. You went far off. If you were off. No, I'm off by on a chord. I could sit here and figure it out. Or I could just look real quick. I was still a C in there instead of an A. guys' idea of a good bird hunt, how would you define a good bird hunt? Better than today. <laughs> as long as you get to go, I don't know that there's such thing as a bad bird hunt. But there's definitely bird hunts that are, you know, like, t- if you was going to say a bad hunt, yeah, today was pretty, pretty crappy. It was pretty rough. I think a good way, a good baseline for me would be, I would like to fire more shots than Miles walked. We were a long ways from that today. Yeah, we was a little off on that. Yeah. If we fit, what did we figure, 10 miles? Yeah. Yeah. 10 miles. That's a bit much for, for yeah, we one, one rooster mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. 10 miles. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah, that's I wouldn't qualify it as a good bird hunt by no means. <laughs> but we could have gotten no birds. But I've been on 10 worse. Miles. I've been on worse. Yeah. But at least we were able to go. I mean, that's always a plus. Dogs did hunt good. I was happy with all the dogs. Yeah, we had some nice honors on mass, mm-hmm. at least. 
The it mouse, had a little the, mousing going yeah, on, yeah. Some, puppy dogs, stuff. You're gonna dogs have got that. bored, had, had yeah. some mousing going on. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. Oh, puppies, young dogs, I don't know. I don't know, I guess old dogs probably do that too. Some of them do, some of them probably don't. I don't know. The I've older seen, dogs. I've seen some older dogs do it. Yeah, I've seen some. I've seen some older dogs that don't, but I don't know. It's not that big a deal, I guess. I imagine there's a lot of people out there that would absolutely cull the dog for doing stuff like that, but I'm not that picky. Yeah. I'm just out here having fun. Let's uh, go ahead and get introductions out of the way. Uh, I'm Colby, of course. Here to my left, I have my brother, Kyle Langford, and uh, to his left, good friend ours, Justin Parker. Uh, we are in the Panhandle, Oklahoma this weekend. We drove out here to hunt some, some private bird property, and uh, it, we had a rough day, if you can't tell. It's uh we have not usually there's pretty good quail numbers out here the last few years there's been pretty good pheasant numbers and uh we saw one rooster today that we got killed my nephew killed it and uh after my brother missed it twice and uh knocked feathers off of him (laughs) (laughs) i'd like to say both shots but did he die no i saw saw him get crumpled and it wasn't it wasn't by you it wasn't mine i it was a really close shot but there was not a doubt in my mind when I when I seen that bird fold, I knew like that wasn't for me. But we've been out here hunting. We got out here last night, uh, hunted hunted on the way out here, and then hunted all day today. But so Kyle, let's uh, hear a little bit from you. What do you think? I was hoping for more bird numbers. Last year it was better. This year, from what I'd gathered, it was a better bird year. There's not a lot of bird hunting in the Panhandle, and I was hoping that low pressure was gonna help us out. Didn't see it today. Seen some good dog work. Seen some decent shooting, but it was pretty rough overall. A lot of walking. <clears throat> the terrain could have been worse. It could have been colder, although it was pretty cold, but it could have been worse. Uh, the weather wasn't bad. At one point, I even took my gloves off, and I took off one neck gator at one time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the high today? Like, I think it was in the third. Or- was it that 27. high? Did it get that high? It got to 27. That's what the truck said once. Uh, yeah. I think the truck lied. There's no way it was <laughs> It was a 20-mile-an-hour wind, no matter what it was. Yeah. The no feels way. like was not 27. No. Absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not for sure that the actual temperature wasn't was 27. I don't, I don't think it was that warm. It didn't feel like it. I don't know. I know this morning when I went out and started the truck, it was 7. So... If it did meet 27... It felt warmer this morning when it was 7 than it did in the afternoon when it was 27 because as the temperature climbed, so did the wind. Yeah. It hurt it more than it helped it. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been worse. Could have been better. Well, I brought my German short hair and my wire hair out here, my three-year-old German short hair female and my two-year-old wire hair female out here. Uh, Kyle, Justin, let's hear what you guys packed. The only thing I brought was a young setter female i call Lori. that's all i brought i had other dogs to bring but i thought well no better time than the present i felt like she was ready to to come out here so i just brought her it was just a one day hunt I thought, ah, no sense in dragging the whole kennel out for a day well i guess we got here friday we hunted a little bit friday and i think what did we make one one hunt friday mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then yeah hunt all day today so I just brought the one dog. Figured you boys had a pair of them, so yeah, quite the pair. Kyle's got one of them's nestled <laughs> in on his lap right now, and the other one's 
The other's been shunned. I don't know where he went. He's probably back on my bed. <laughs> he found a pile of coyote poop, and I think his vest caught most of it, but he's got a little tinge to him. He now. has definitely got some on him. Yeah. I'm just telling you, the vest did not get enough of it. No, he's wearing a little. Yeah. The gruff of his neck's got a little tinge. He thinks it's good stuff. Yeah. He, he was proud of he's it. He's got a squirt of colognes, what he's yeah. thinking. He's quite the poodle. Yep. Yeah. He, was, he, was, he, he literally he looks like a poodle. I've got Etley, who is a touch over two years old. Um, he's a pretty long-haired, wire hair. And then I've got a pretty tight-coated little female that's three. Uh, she'll be three next month, I think. February or March, she'll be three. She's done all right. I think both of them, given the circumstances. Pretty tough out here. Kind of hard to judge them on all the mice they pointed today, though. If them mice had wings and would flush... Mm-hmm. We'd have killed a limit. Oh, yeah. for sure. It was impressive. Not one of my prouder moments of my dog. <laughs> <laughs> they hunted hard. I'll give them that. They did hunt hard. They never quit. They just got bored. Yeah. I did, too. There was a lack of birds. There was the occasional sparrow or two that just about got whacked. They popped up at the wrong moment. Yeah. Like, woo. Got, got, <laughs> got sparrowed. I think yeah. Hagen almost shot... On accident, almost drew up on an owl at one point. It it took a, the wrong flight stance. <laughs> Got you for just a second. Luckily, never even thought about pulling the trigger, but he did start to raise the gun up, I seen. Well, it's, it's hard not to flinch when that happens right in front of you. Oh, yeah. So after we get back, is there anything you're wanting to work with on your dogs after you've seen on this trip? Yeah, I think we're going to have to work on just pointing birds. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to get some birds back in front of them. Yeah. I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah, just more bird contacts. Like I said, my dog's young. I don't I don't know that she's two yet. She might have to look. She might be. Yeah, she's young. Lots more bird contacts. Yep, she'll get there. That's about it. I mean, they were brushed up pretty good last year, and, and they haven't seen. My dogs haven't had near as many birds in front of them this year as they did last year. I uh, was hoping we just picked back up, and, and they've they've hunted good. I've shot wild birds in front of all of them this, so far this year, right there in Ottawa County. There's just not a lot of them there. Yep. Yep, it's, I don't know, I have trouble. Myself, I have trouble hunting the wild birds that are around the house, just because there's not that many of them there. There's different theories on whether or not it's it's okay to kill a couple out of a big covey, or, you know, you need to leave them alone. I don't know, I time of day has a lot to do with it I, I really feel like time of day has a lot to do with it I, I think I really think a guy should I try to quit hunting them by noon 12 o'clock I try to be done don't push them around and break them up anymore especially when you know it's going to get cold at night so there's two different reasons I think for for one they got to have each other to stay warm at night and also you don't want them right there at dusk calling Covying back up because all that's doing is attracting predators to them. If I am out, you know, because I so I hunt a lot of pin birds, as you guys know. Yeah. And I'll I'll run I hunt a lot of my pin birds. I'll throw them out around places that I've got a lot of wild coveys on as well. And so you know I, I point quite a few wild coveys while hunting pin birds. And so even even running my pin birds. If I'm going to run them later on in the day, I try not to do it around where I could possibly have some wild coveys just so I don't bust them. 
but that's just me. I'm sure everybody has their own theory. And I'm not saying mine's right, and I'm not saying theirs is wrong. Well, I'd say you're erring on the side of caution and the smarter thing to do, regardless. I've heard a lot of theories on quail. don't know how many of them are right. I don't think anybody knows that much about them because there's not very many quail. Right, right. I don't know. I mean, there's guys that that's their job, I guess. I just try to do my part in taking care of them. I know a little bit about keeping them alive in a pen, and so far, uh, so I guess a little bit of goes into a little backstory on me. So I have a small cow-calf operation, and so, you know, over there on my place, I've really, the last probably four years, I've really put in a lot of work into creating more habitat and creating a better habitat environment however you want to look at it for my quail populations around there on the farm what what all have you done as far as so i i keep uh i plant some food plots for them i've got some fence rows and stuff that probably need to be cleaned out but i won't because there's coveys in there that use them for cover man they still turn cattle so i'm just going to leave them alone you know i just patch them back together and you know try i think that's a big problem nowadays my opinion is is a lot of these ranchers and stuff are they're buying this property and it's so dang expensive that i understand they got to use every acre of it they can use and they'll doze out all those fence rows they clean out all the brush they clear them up and they look like a golf course when they're done you know and they build a brand new fence down them and they're pretty but then the same exact ranchers like man i don't know why there's not any wild birds around here anymore like well they don't have anywhere to live you got rid of their house Mm -hmm. so I, i try to and you know, I've built a few brush piles on the place, just stacking stuff up. Uh, ordinary guy would probably burn them. I just keep making them bigger. And I build a few brush piles around at the end of some draws and into some thickets. And and I've got birds using them. Um, predator control is a big deal. I try to try to keep a pretty, keep my thumb on top of the, the old predator control around there, keep stuff, you know, best i can but i don't know man there's there's so many different theories like all i can do is just tell you what mine mine are and it seems to be working uh keep the predators down build habitat for them put food plots in for them i know so when i first took that place over i had i think i had two coveys of wild quail on that whole place and it's not a huge place we're talking just a little over 400 acres but now, I know for sure now there's six coveys on that place. And so, I don't know. It it seems to be working. In my opinion, it's working. Uh-huh. Um, good or bad, I know it's probably not good. But I know a few of my pen-raised birds have gotten in with my wild coveys. Um, they look a little different. When you see them in the covey, you can pick those, those pen-raised uh quail out away from those wild bob whites they they just a little bit different but if you've seen enough of them you can you can tell which ones are not wild they're wild at this point um everybody says they won't live in the wild but i've got some out there that promise you've been there for two years and you point them i promise they're just as wild as any bob white you want to go find they can they can flat out get out of there and fly so, I mean, I, I don't know. Seems to be working. 
habitat management is definitely a huge thing for quail. Uh, yeah, I mean they gotta have it. Fortunately, most of the a lot of the place that I take care of already had a pretty good. It had a look however you want. It had a good opportunity to be good habitat for quail. And when I took it over, I had the option. You know, I could have either done like everybody else and cleared it off, or I could let it grow up. Now there's parts of it that I've still got to keep cleared off because I still got to run cattle on it to to cover the cost of the place mm-hmm. but for the most part you know I, and and those other guys that don't bird hunt you know that take those places over and clear them off you know they didn't they wouldn't never think about it until later on down the road they're like you know you know when i was a kid there was quail all over this place there ain't a bird on it no more well there you go but i don't know they got they got a lot of places to live on my place and a lot of really good cover which keeps them out of mainly keeps them out you know hawks and stuff can't get down in there and get them now when you point them sometimes it's in some thick stuff and you will you know you'll flush and some of them will get out and then some more will get out and then some more will get out you know they they're down in there speaking of pet predator control did a little bit of predator control today while we were hunting jumped a i guess he was just bedded up but we were walking the field out and Jumped Kyle up, just about stepped on him, ran straight towards Kyle, which he was probably only 20 yards from me, about about plum ran Kyle over. but Yeah, he headed right toward me. It looked like a juvenile coyote. It didn't look like a full-grown, you know, he was, he was probably only 20 pounds. But he didn't like that six-shot bird shot. You didn't miss that one? No. No, he died. No. I didn't even have to lead him. He was so close. <laughs> <laughs> It was hard on him. Yeah. Yeah, he was having head problems when that deal was over. He didn't like it. Yeah. He didn't fare very well. Oh, dude, highlight of the hunt. Got to throw us in there. Prairie dogs. Did cremate a prairie dog. Yep. Turns yep. out a 6.5 Creedmoor is a little bit much if you wanted to eat the prairie dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your prairie dog experience, Parker. So, I was pretty wound up coming out here knowing that they were here and that we was going to get an opportunity to kill some i've never shot one always wanted to seen all the videos and stuff people shooting them you know and they blow up and it's like oh, i'd be so cool sure enough smacked one yep it was exciting highlight of my highlight of my trip right there shooting a prairie dog as, <laughs> as silly as that price sounds to most people the suppressor adds to it because you get to hear it pop yeah even yeah more so oh yeah yeah, you don't even hear the gun go off. You just hear the prairie dog explode. <laughs> it was awesome. The bad part is, is it alarms the rest of the prairie dog town enough. <laughs> you, you know, and that was our thought with the suppressors. Like, we we'll shoot one, and they'll just stand around. We'll just keep thumping them. Well, you missed four. But when you hit that sucker, they well, all took I, I think it was a gun malfunction. Yeah. Probably I, so. Well, it was. It was, and I, I will tell you that. I was messing with the with the turrets on every one of them and i was having you hold into that wind a lot more than i should have and that's what was going on yeah yeah that's what it was that was my fault yeah yeah i really thought because we were pushing 200 yards and that wind was it was blowing 20 25 and i I was telling you four inches and you were missing it but it was that that's what it was yeah we shouldn't have been giving it any wind no well the last shot i didn't nope i just put it on him yep Yep. it it popped yeah it worked 
It sounded like somebody dropped a watermelon off a roof. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Those things are a nuisance. Mm-hmm. The ranchers there hate them. Yeah. Sounds like they almost hate them as much as we hate fertile hogs back around the house. Yep. That's same level. Yeah. I'm sure. I can, and after walking out across their little, what do you call it? A, is it town? Mm-hmm. Prairie dog town? Yeah. After walking out across that, I could see how if that was at my house, I would be a little grouchy about it. Yep. Yeah. yeah I don't want them there either. That's got to be 60 to 80 acres that they've got. Oh, absolutely. Mowed. Yeah. I mean, they mow it. Yeah. It's full of holes, mounds, can't drive across it. Yeah. Good way to break your leg, cow's leg, horse's leg. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. They sure are fun to shoot. <laughs> yep. We still haven't figured out how they eat yet, but going to have to step down to a smaller caliber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One that don't turn them inside out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't much Pre, left to eat skinned <laughs> There wasn't much left to that one, and, and what was left, I don't think it was even edible. Mm-mm. I don't think I don't think you could have ate it. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a pretty cool deal. Highlight of my yeah hunting trip. That was a hundred sixty seven yard shot. Yeah, yeah. At a target not much bigger than a water bottle, about the size of a rabbit, cottontail rabbit. But, yeah, I mean yeah, about all it is. They ain't much bigger, if they're bigger. No, there's no way they're bigger than a rabbit. Mm-mm. No. What do they eat? Grass? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah, I think hmm. so. Oh, but darn. That's why it's mowed down so short. Well, I mean, if it wasn't for all the holes out there, you could have a putting course out there. Yeah. Hey. I guess you, you already just, got the holes built yeah, in. I guess yeah. you could just use, make it a putt-putt. <laughs> yeah. You could use softballs for golf ball or for uh Have to golf. tie a string on them. Yeah. Get, get, get them back, back out. out. Yeah. Oh, God. Here we go. Down the rabbit hole. So, look at old Mila. She is out. You got to figure, for every mile we walk, these dogs cover about three. Yeah, probably. Oh, at least. Yeah. Yeah, probably. We can pull it up on the old Garmin's and see what what blue dog and black dog covered today. Yeah, but it's going to show them in the dog box, too. I don't know the difference. Yeah, it would. But I've done it. I've done it where I just clicked on me. Where where I didn't travel, where I turned my Garmin on when I got there, and I turned my Garmin off when I when I left, and it's about a three to four to one ratio. So if I walk one mile, they went three to four. Hmm. Yeah, they done some traveling today. Yeah. My old puppy's tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good for. Her. That's what she needed. She just needed more birds, but mm-hmm. yeah. but as far as the the hunt, yeah. But she did hunt good. Mm-hmm. You know, she stayed hooked up the whole time. Yeah, I'll give it your dog. Your dog got hunted my dogs today, for sure. Like, it just as far as having energy to run left and right and left and right. Nah. You never once looked up and Lori wasn't getting left or right. I don't know if she out hunted anything, but she she sure she sure kept her feet moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if she out hunted anything. Sometimes, sometimes I would wonder if she was even hunting, if she was just running around like a goober. <laughs> With my dogs, I've noticed, as long as I'm moving, it can be even slow, but as long as I'm moving, they're out quarter and they're in front of me. But if I stop, I don't have to stop long, but if I stop, as soon as they see that I've stopped, they're right there at my feet. They're like, what's up? Why do we stop? As soon as I start moving, there we go. Mine just keeps moving. <laughs> now I can call. I can call, I can call her. I can call her into me, and make her come in there to my feet. Yeah. But now she won't. She never really gets out of range. You know, she stays out there. You know, out there just about right for me. I, 
she hunts out what 30 40 yards probably and uh but yeah she just stays out there and just keeps moving around i'm telling you right now that those uh those cheddar brats i bought on the way out here cut up kept my pocket <laughs> worth every penny if you didn't have three dogs in front of you all day today you didn't have any dogs in front of you yeah you had more dogs in front of you all day i had all four of them a few times for yeah several times yeah yeah i think yeah my dog spent more time down there hanging out in front of colby than she did me for sure <laughs> i wasn't gonna kick her yeah. <laughs> she just she didn't know she just found somebody because it's always just me and her yeah. that's actually the mm-hmm. first time she's hunted in a group like that i think maybe second time second or third time she's been in a group like that and usually when i've been in a group like that before she's been you know been with her buddy been with the dog that i usually yeah you know i've got the older oh. dog at the house a wed and that's usually who i hunt her with and so the other times i guess that she was in a group with a group of people a couple other times but it was always with ed you know Mm-hmm. and Ed kind of stays over there in front of me the whole time when we're hunting, even in a group. And so she just kind of hung out over there with him. But, yep, without him, she just bebops around. I think we're definitely going to have to get some quail when we get back home, either next weekend or sometime soon, and get these dogs in front of a couple birds. Yeah, yeah, probably wouldn't probably wouldn't hurt. A little refresher. Parker's probably going to be MIA in the duck blind. Yeah, next week. There's a good chance. I cannot yeah. believe you guys got me to come out here. Yeah. Right here in prime duck hunting. Well, hindsight, you wouldn't have been out here for no better than this has been. Oh, if I could have told the future? <laughs> yeah. I like you guys. And this has been a lot if of fun, regardless of whether we've killed birds or not. But, yeah. Hindsight, Everybody I'd have pre- stayed home and duck hunted with mm-hmm. you. Yeah, we'd all stayed there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody knows I'm pretty big on duck hunting. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I do do my fair share of it. Speaking of, I just <laughs> got an email. Roto Metals, ten fifty five a.m. this morning. I had a bunch of bismuth ordered, and it got delivered today. Working up some duck loads, building some duck loads, yeah. shooting some bismuth, reloading with bismuth pretty excited about that yeah 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 that'd it's, be uh, interesting to see how them it's supposed to be somewhere in between lead and steel it's not quite it's as good be as lead and steel everything steel is it's anything's got to be better than steel i think styrofoam pellets would be better than steel half the time at least you'd see them <laughs> so parker your lab uh you've got her trained to fetch decoys how did you get i've been meaning to ask you how did you train your dog to fetch decoys so I've got a good buddy of mine that lives in Arkansas. His name's Cody Wynn. And I went hunting with him. So I had just got this lab, and she was just a pup. Man, I I don't even know that I was hunting her yet. I think she was still just a puppy. And went hunting with Cody one time, and he's got a yellow lab. And we accidentally got some decoys out there too far. And after we'd picked up, you know, we'd picked all of our ducks up as we were hunting got all the decoys we could get and he sent her out there and told her decoy fetch it up and she would swim out there and grab those decoys and bring them back now i promise you i've watched the dog do it a million times i've seen her get sent on blind retrieves she doesn't have a clue where the bird's at 
I've seen her swim past decoys all day long and never even look at one like she wanted to pick one up. But the moment you tell her decoy, she'll start bringing them in. And which is, you talk to guys and they'll tell you, it's a big no-no. Absolutely do not teach your dog to do that. It's a bad habit to start. They'll start picking up decoys in the middle of the hunt because they don't know where the birds are at. You know, send them on blind retrieves and stuff like that. Everybody says it's a bad deal. I don't know if it is or it isn't. So, I don't know. I, I think I think a dog, I think you can teach a dog to do just about anything if you have the patience and the time and the dog has the right mindset. It also is up to the dog. Um, but it's a really cool trick and it's super handy sometimes. And so I did. I So I taught mine the same thing. Now it's kind of, it's kind of messed up because off the beginning, most people that started labs, they know when they're puppies, when you're, you know, you're going to set a few decoys up out in the yard and they're going to retrieve bumpers and they got to go through decoys to get the bumpers and all that stuff. And, and when they're puppies, they will try to pick up a decoy. They're going to do it. Just about all of them will try to pick up a decoy and you have to get onto them for picking up the decoy. They have to learn that we can't get the decoys. We leave them alone no matter what. And so I went through all that, and now I'm going back, and I'm teaching this dog, hey, okay, now you can pick them up, but only when I tell you to. And it could have been a mistake, but luckily it worked out, and you can hunt over all day long, and she, she'll she swim past them all day and never touch them. And whenever I tell her to start picking up the decoys, she'll swim out there and start getting the decoys and bringing them in. And it's handy because some of them ponds get super muddy as further you get out there or you accidentally throw one out a little too deep and can't get to it. It's kind of handy having a dog that'll go get the decoy and bring it back to you. So I was on one of those hunts with you guys and watched your buddy's dog do that. And and me not knowing any better, one of the first times I took Myla duck hunting by myself, had a decoy get too deep on me. And I just thought, oh, it's no big deal. And I just tossed a stick out there by the decoy, and I said, fetch. And she just ran out there, picked up the decoy. I've never had her do it again. She's never touched a decoy before. She never touched one since. But she did it that day. And I don't know if she'd do it again. Right. She did do it, and right. I thought, I've seen a dog do this before. Yeah. And she, <laughs> she did do it that day, impressively enough. Yeah. 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 Sometimes just because you've seen them do it doesn't mean they should all do it. Well, she's yeah. never messed with one before. She ain't touched one since. Well, but, that's uh, good. But that day, I knew I wasn't going to be able to wait out there and get that decoy, and I just tossed a stick out there. And, boy, she just went right out there, grabbed yeah. that thing, and brought it back to me. I thought, that's nothing to that, man. That's that's a handy trick to have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've come a long way on my old lab dog for duck dogs. I used to have a yellow dog that I hunted over. And he was about as sorry a duck dog as you've ever hunted over. I mean, he would go get the ducks, but it was a rough deal. You would go to the blind with a bag of rocks. <laughs> and so, and he would sit there because he couldn't mark anything. He wouldn't keep track of nothing. You killed three birds on the water, mm-hmm. he didn't know there was any out there. <laughs> Not a clue. And so I'd get out of the blind, and I'd get over with him, and I'd throw him a rock, and he'd go out there to get the rock. Well, there was a duck. He'd bring the duck back, yep. and I'd gather my duck Sounds up. Sounds like I'd, the way I duck hunt. And I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, th- I'd throw another rock, and he'd go get that duck, you know. 
Yeah. Yep. You just got to be good at throwing rocks. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Looking back on that now, I was like, good grief. Yeah. <laughs> Pitiful. I was pretty young. I didn't care, dude. I was just plum tickled. I had a dog that would go get my ducks out Either of the way, water. it beats wading out there and getting that duck. Yeah. Yeah, or the fishing pole. Right. Yeah, yeah we oh packed. Yeah. We kept the dog in the shop for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> little fishing pole with a topwater bait on him. Yeah. yeah, cast past her and snag them, bring them in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was always a joke. Who got the dog? <laughs> Looking back, it may not be too bad a deal. He didn't eat much. Yeah, right. a lot cheaper. Mm. Yeah, this thing's dog food's getting expensive. Boy, I tell you what, even dog chow. Yeah, I don't know what dog chow costs. I don't know how anybody can afford a $100 bag of Pro Plan. Well, because I priced it just the other day in Enid, and it, it is a it is every bit of a hundred dollars mm-hmm. for fifty pounds of Purina dog chow. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not worth it. It is good feed. It's good. I've had but it man, it's a great feed. Uh, I think it was like sixty a bag when I was feeding it. But yeah, it's 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 a hundred dollars a bag. By the time you get taxes on it, get it out the door. You're you're right at a hundred dollars a bag. Just saying, her feet were moving all day today. Yeah. Hey. Is that what you're feeding, Parker? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's good dog food. It really is. Um, I don't know. I don't know. If we'll, I don't know how much advertising we're supposed to do on a still for dog food <laughs> companies. But yep, if I'm not feeding Pro Plan, I feed Joy Super Meal. I like the Joy dog food. I did notice my dogs have always had Pro Plan. I've always used Pro Plan, and I've switched over to just dog chow and didn't i i meant to buy some pro plan for this hunt and uh i didn't and i did notice that i was missing a little bit of dog power seemed like later in the day dogs were getting a little bit i wouldn't say lazy but they didn't have the energy they had this morning i don't guess we've ever talked about where everybody got their start in the dog hunting world i don't get how you know what created the monster mm-hmm. yeah i got a lot of hobbies and most of them include a dog, so I've got a few dogs at the house. Yeah. You got you got a few types of dogs I'll even throw in for you. Yeah. You got about a dog for about every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. different stuff. Yeah, I've got I've got I've got enough hobbies that you gotta have a dog for each hobby. Yeah. Well, how'd you get started, Parker? Man, I'll start with coon hounds. I was probably six. My grandpa took me coon hunting. So we there used to be a dog big dog swap meat deal back in the day been a long time ago uh over by joplin they called it beckham's i'm sure you guys have been there mm-hmm. we've been there and uh man we went up there and i don't know i bet i had 25 dollars in him i got an english dog up there at beckham's and i was on top of the world never been coon hunting in my life i'm six years old but i have got a coon dog now looking back now <laughs> i had a hound <laughs> but so it was, dude, it was so cold that night and uh, snow on the ground. I'm dressed up. I look like a little kid off Christmas story. If I'd have fell down, I'd have been there all night. <laughs> My grandpa takes me coon hunting and we go down there. Full moon, snow on the ground, cut cornfield. I mean, you don't need a light. And this dog that I had acquired for $25 falls, falls, Beckham's. falls treed in the end of this cornfield at the edge of it. Dude, you could see the coons where you got there. Looked like two big old squirrels' nests sitting up in a tree. Well, he didn't smell them. He had to see them go up a tree or he's treeing them by sight. 
Anyhow, but he had them. Dude, I was on cloud nine. <laughs> of course, you know, furs were worth something back in, and we roll up there and knock one of them big old suckers out. Grandpa shoots him out of there, and that dog runs over, and he's he didn't have enough guts to whoop a coon. Luckily, he was dead, but I think he still about whooped him. And he's over just wallowing the fire out of this coon, and that other coon jumped out of the tree and ran right between my legs and scared the fire out of me. I thought I was had. <laughs> Anyhow, from that point on, hooked. Been coon hunting ever since. <laughs> and then I raised and trained border collies for a while. And then I hog hunted, and then, you know, I, I, I did quit hog hunting. Eventually, that's one of them I did give up. But yeah, been around the dog deal my whole life. Raised and trained them, and yeah, now I've got a coon hound. I still coon hunt a lot. Um, bird dogs. I run setters. Uh, it's just the breed that's just ended up suiting me. I just like them. Flashy. I, They're flashy. Well, I think so. You know, some people probably think the wire hairs are flashy, or some people think the short I hairs are flashy. I wouldn't think that anybody you know? describes the wire hairs flashy. No, they're the ugly dog. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Atley, they don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I just, I like the setters for bird dogs. Um, I've got a border collie at the house right now. Uh, I got a lab. The lab's kind of the versatile dog. She's not real good at anything, but does a little bit of everything. She does a, you know, will hunt shed antlers and fetch ducks. And I do take her upland hunting. She is woe broke. I'm not going to say she's a pointing lab, but you can woe her. She will honor. And, and I can... You know, she'll she'll point for a second, but if you don't woe her, she'll flush. She doesn't hold her points well. She's a lab. She's really not supposed to, I don't guess. But, man, everything, I, I really can't take much credit for training on her. Everything she does is pretty well natural. It's just what she wanted to do. She's just a good dog. She's, she's decent. Yeah. She's decent. I like Maggie. Yeah, she's yeah. decent. She uh, And she's been known to find a deer or two every now and then. Yeah, she does do that. She's decent. Yeah, I've got I got a dog for everything. Lots of hunting. Then do a little rodeo on the side, so I got a bunch of horses. And, yeah. But that's long story short. That's how I got my start. Grandpa took my coon hunting when I was six, and I ain't been able to get away from it since. Yeah. Well, brother, what about you? Family history, I would think. Uh, growing up listening to stories from dad talking about grandpa being a quail hunter and quail hunting a lot from that just being in the outdoors a lot the whole family you know deer camps and everything else led to just hunting in general and then it led down the road to you know high school days high school age when josh ryan and i and john ryan going coon hunting with them and getting in getting a foot in the door with dog hunting and learning a little bit about coon coon hunting and training dogs from john ryan and once i got a taste of some walkers and then some blue ticks and i ran a couple black and tans and we just coon hunted a little bit i was never really great at it i was 20 years old for the most part through most i was 20 and under through most of my coon hunting career but I had some decent dogs, and we treated some coons and had a good time. Took a lot of people coon hunting. And then kind of got out of the, the the hunting dog world for me for the better part of 15 years. And then 
you'd got Colby, you'd got the Delta a couple years back, and kind of reignited and thought, man, this this bird hunting deal that's kind of fun. Well, you had you got you, you jumped back into squirrel dogs there with Chigger. Yeah, yeah, I did have some squirrel dogs. Yep, I kind of skipped skipped that. We did. Uh, you Colby, you drug us to a squirrel hunt to in, uh, NKC Youth World Hunt. Yeah, uh, outside Columbia. Yeah, that would have been probably what. That was a while back. Oh, probably 2013-ish. Mm-hmm. Colby made a deal on a squirrel dog, and uh, somehow I ended up paying for it. And <laughs> it was a good deal. He was a good. It was. It was well worth it. I don't remember what we gave for that $100. dog. It was. It was a fair enough price, and and that probably <laughs> was. We came back the next year and got seventh in the world hunt with that dog. Uh, fair enough price. He was a good dog. He. He dang sure tree squirrel. He, I mean, he was a squirrel tree fool. Almost as good as my $25 dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you had asked Hagen what he would have took for that dog, and there would have been no price. Yeah. You could have handed him a blank check, and he'd have said no. No I know, way. I know how he feels. That's how I felt that night. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Chigger would tree a coon, too. He'd tree a coon. He'd tree squirrels. <laughs> uh, he was a good dog. But, yeah, I did dabble back into to, to some dogs there. And uh, I've got another squirrel dog now, half walker, half mountain cur, and she'll, she's re- she's really looking good on some squirrels this last, what, two weeks ago we took her out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she made a good tree. We were waiting on uh, waiting on a pup to get under the tree, and we we waited just a split second too long. Mm. Them gray squirrels are flighty, especially Man. this time of year. Yeah. She fell treed. We seen it. No, uh, we were trying to get a pup under that tree to get treed on it. And we waited just long enough that that man, that squirrel took off like a flying squirrel, and that was the last we seen of him. <laughs> he hit the ground running. <laughs> no, Kobe, you'd kind of got back into bird hunting, and it seemed like a pretty good idea. So uh, we had got a dog from some friends of ours, and and it wasn't going to turn into the dog that I was really hoping it was going to be. But I like the breed a lot. I like the German wirehair breed a lot. And that's what that dog was. And I'd made a phone call to Dwayne Worthington. And we went up there and picked out Myla. And she's been she's been really a pretty good dog for me. I enjoy hunting her. She's nothing special. She's a good dog, though. And she'll hunt, she'll hunt all day. And she doesn't embarrass me very often. But, uh, yeah, I've picked up a couple. I've got two other younger wirehairs run around and do a little training with justin and colby we we all just try to get some birds in front of them and see how they do i don't think you give old etley enough credit no etley etley's yeah he's a pretty good dog too etley has come a long ways he has yeah yeah i've watched him make some big improvements yeah in the old training field yeah he's done some really good things and the other dog oscar oscar's gonna make a bird dog he'll be fine He's a little he's slow just, to mature. He's just a late maturing dog. Yeah. He's just, there's still a lot of puppy there with Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's still just two. That's Oh, yeah. 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 Etley's, Etley's really mature for his age as yeah. far as in the bird field and, and the way he points and holds his points and, and just some of the things that he does. Mm-hmm. He's, he does some things that, that you wouldn't typically expect out of a two-year-old dog. And see, I'd got Mila. At nine months old from Dwayne, and she was a started dog. He had hunted her on wild birds, and he had worked with her quite a bit. But it, she's she had a lot of 
his training already in her. She was ready to go. With Etley and Oscar, we had we Justin and I had done most of the training on them last year. Uh, we we what, how many birds do you think we put in front of them dogs last year? Oh, I don't know, probably a couple hundred. At least, you know, in the matter of three months from December to March, April, yeah. March. Yeah, I'd say. I, I yeah. definitely don't, don't classify myself as a dog trainer, but I have trained a lot of them. I've been successful yeah. at it, but I'm I'm a long ways from being a dog trainer. I enjoy it. Well, I've seen them come a long ways. Birds help. I, I figure it's about like anything else. Yeah. I you don't know. It takes a lot of birds to make a bird dog. You got to have birds to make a bird dog. Yep. I've been trying to figure out a way to do that with squirrel dogs. It's just not that easy. Mm-hmm. I wish it was as easy to have squirrel exposures to young dogs as it is to have bird exposures for bird dogs. Yeah. You need to find that's a guy a that's breeding squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> Call so him go, up. Go, go, go buy him 20 time in a crate. Yeah. 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 Boy, that'd be a wild crate to hold on to, wouldn't it? You'd need some, some wide carry handles on there. I thought, I thought, I thought about setting up some, uh, <laughs> taking some of the squirrel traps and setting up the door on them to where they're hooked up, uh, repurpose the actuators on my bird launchers, set them up on some live traps, kind of brush the live trap in, wait for that pup to run over there downwind <laughs> of it. As soon as you see them throw their nose up and wind it, hit that button. <laughs> Squirrel shoots out. I, I, I would say there's some rules against that somewhere. There's probably. A lot I haven't read anything about that in the regulations. You know, I don't. I, you could be onto something because I imagine the people that write the regulations probably never thought about anybody trying that. Squirrel launchers. I'd like to meet the man that loads that. Well, that's what I was thinking. If you buy 20 squirrels in a crate, it's not so much holding onto the crate. How do you get the squirrel out one at a time? That's a good question. Hey, they're meaner than you think. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. I guarantee it. Yeah. They're going to bite you. Yeah. I got a hold of one one time. Yeah. Yeah. Like to ate me alive. I've seen a YouTube video where an old boy reaches in a fireplace and gets a hold of a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, <laughs> Didn't end up they, well on him. Yeah. No. That squirrel bit him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how Ray Stevens did it. The squirrel <laughs> went berserk. <laughs> and more people didn't get bit. Oh, good. I'm not sure how much editing you're going to have to put into this podcast to get this thing on the air. Oh, it'll be all right. Yeah. This one may not even make the air. I doubt it. We may have to do another one. We'll see. This this could be rough. We've gotten off topic a little bit. But, you know, I guess if you're going to be completely honest, I don't know that we had a topic to begin with. We didn't really. We didn't. No, we just. I I was in the shower and said, hey, let's talk about what makes a good bird hunt. Yeah. We rolled in from there. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. I guess if he's going to classify a good bird hunt, Kyle, it would just be lots of bird contacts for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. More dead birds. I, I, you know, <laughs> what are you doing, Hagen? Yeah, that dog stinks. Yeah. Yeah, my nephew just sat down on the couch and said, this dog smells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bud. We talked about it. Yeah. You. Where were you? I'd probably go wash. You can my take this one. This one's gonna be the one snuggling with you. I, I would. I would probably go wash my hands after touching that. Yeah. He was proud of himself, Kyle. Yeah. I can't believe you got mad about it. He was plum tickled about it. I wouldn't expect any less of him, honestly. I mean, <laughs> at least he wasn't the creature from the Black Lagoon this trip. Much hadn't been enough water to do. There's it. none. <laughs> water. There's not been any water available, or he would have been. You know, I have noticed something about Etley. He likes water. He likes Every somebody. time we go hunting. Yeah. Every time we go hunting and you bring Etley, he gets into something. Yeah. 
It's usually a mud puddle or water. So it's a shame that you can't get a video on this podcast and nobody can see this dog. I mean, he is a German wire hair. But I'm telling you, the average human who doesn't know bird dogs would think he's a poodle. He looks like a poodle pointer. He is, well... I'm he's not, a very fluffy dog. He's a very fluffy... <laughs> he's a very unique-looking dog. He's not really built like a poodle, though. He's he's no. extremely hard to take serious. If you shaved him, he'd look just like any other German wire hair. He's a... But he's got a lot of hair. He is extremely hard to Hagen, take serious. My boy's just taking... My female dog off my lap and packing her to bed. I guess he's cold. (laughs) There she goes. We're going to have to give this dog a bath before we go to bed. (laughs) Tonight? Uh, Tonight before you go to bed. I probably will. You know, there's a dog box right outside. Right on the back of the truck. Got an empty hole in it. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Has he ever slept outside before? No, he's never. Well, he slept outside, but not normally. Yeah. No. He's usually in my bed. Yeah. As with Mila. Which is and Oscar, which is impressive in itself because he weighs like ninety pounds. You know he looks like it. That dog probably don't weigh over sixty five. Yeah, I've weighed him two or three times, kind of like a rat. I've weighed him two or three times, thinking, man, he's he's bigger. He's about sixty four pounds. Kyle, his nose weighs fifty. Yeah, he's got a snoot (laughs) on him, don't he? (laughs) You think he could smell a bird from a mile? (laughs) He should have a cannon for a nose. It's, it's got the area. Yeah, you can. He's just, got an old factory on him. You can just about tell when he's fixing to do something really silly because he gets this wild look in his eye, and with all that hair, it's comical, and you can't take him serious. And I am darn sure not fixing to stop him. Like, yeah, go for it, dude. He he's got a he's got a love for water, a mud puddle, like a real muddy one. The muddier, the better. <laughs> and he and he doesn't just like run through it or try to get in it. Like he tries to get under the mud puddle. I mean, it's it goes into submarine mode. Yes, he, he turns first. into a a German U boat. <laughs> he turns goes from a German wire hair to a German U boat. I mean, he wants to get in it. It's pretty interesting. Oh. And all you can do is sit back and laugh when he does it because there's nothing that's going to get him out of there. You could you could burn him to the ground with that Garmin. He wouldn't care. He's staying in there. Yeah, he is in the mud yep. puddle. Yeah, he loves it. He thinks it's attractive. Yeah. Just like this cologne that he's wearing over here right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. He thinks it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's wearing it to bed. Mm. Take that home to mom. Mm-hmm. We'll have to rinse him off. <laughs> I think it might just make it worse. <laughs> Spread it around. It's an Anchorman cologne. Yeah. Yeah. What do they say about that? Yeah, works. Yeah, guaranteed so works sixty percent of the time, all the time. It works every time. <laughs> kind of burns the nostrils a little. <laughs> burned, <laughs> burned hair. Burned hair. Italy, get off my cord. He's on my cord again. Oh no, Colby, you haven't uh, you haven't elaborated on your definition of a good hunt. Well, you know. I like the struggle. I, I'm a firm believer that to appreciate a good bird hunt, you really got to have some bad ones thrown in there, too. Oh, for sure. Uh, you don't appreciate the highs without some pretty sorry lows. Yeah. And so walking 10 miles without shooting a bird yeah. uh, really makes makes you appreciate it when you walk five to shoot two. Well, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> after the hunt we've had today, if you don't appreciate the good ones by now, there's no hope. Yeah. No, I, I I like it. I just like going. I I enjoy going, hanging out, and 
getting to watch some dogs run. The chance that it might work. Just so you're just, saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. You can't kill them on the couch. It's very one of my favorite expressions. I don't. It's kind of corny. I don't like saying it that much, but like it's a good point. Like you can't kill fe- Like you're not gonna go kill wild pheasants mm-hmm. if you just want to go be lazy i mean it takes work to kill them they're not easy to find i mean there there are exceptions there are places that are awesome but for the most part from my experience with it like you're gonna walk a lot of miles for every bird you kill Mm -hmm. and there's no what there's no shortcut for it you're just outside of south dakota or kansas public or private land in kansas yeah you got you gotta want to walk across that field a few more times well clearly you can have quite a bit of public land or private land in Oklahoma, and it doesn't make it much easier because we've hunted a lot of both this weekend, and it's not it's not paid off for us too much. Which we did kill a public Oklahoma rooster on the way on on the trip out. We did. Sure enough. Yeah, we seen another one there, not too far from the truck there too. Yeah, hmm. it got up way out in front of us. But yeah, way out in front of us. Yeah, I had a lot of higher hopes of that property after as quick as we got there seeing two birds and getting one killed i thought we've got us a good spot here we walked a mile section out and never seen another bird after that guy needs a good a good comfy pair of boots that's for sure yeah yeah absolutely i will vouch for that yeah and expedient shipping and expedient shipping yeah kind of got in a bind on that deal yeah let's hear about it well you know so i ordered some boots uh a few weeks before we were going on this hunt with thoughts i'll get them in I'll break them in. They'll be ready for the hunt because my old pair of boots blew out and yeah, wouldn't wouldn't wasn't gonna work. And ordered a pair of good boots, quality boots. They showed up. Literally, the camera at the house showed FedEx dropping them off when we were two hours down the road. Well, I don't even think we're two hours. We was in Vanita. Yeah, we was too far to go back. Yeah, we were too far to go back. Yeah, yeah. So well, there's my boots. So. I did the cardinal sin, and I bought a pair of boots on the way out here when we stopped at a store. And I wore those. And they really, you know, it, I was pretty fortunate. And I've I've done this a year. In years back, I, I did this one other time. I stopped on the way somewhere, or just right before we left, and bought a new pair of hunting boots. And I lucked out then. No blisters. Feet weren't sore. And I bought these. No blisters. But my old feet are a little sore. Yeah can't really blame that on boots because i've got a good broken pair of boots my feet are a little sore yeah mm-hmm. i mean we yeah. walked a lot today yeah. yeah i was i was starting to get a hot spot on one of my toes that i had to kind of change change my my walk a little bit just to favor one toe yeah at one point today you look out across mm-hmm. this landscape and you think it's flat till you start walking on it it ain't all that flat we were we were going over and under and beside some terrain today i had a tough debate on it was cold, and I had my bibs on, and I had to shed the bibs. Could not handle the bibs. Wearing me out. Shoulder straps get heavy after a while. Mm-hmm. The bibs. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. even just carrying a gun. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. starts to wear on your arms a little bit. Yeah, your yep. little arm starts getting that locked up muscle. Yeah, that yeah. Remington 1100 is quite a bit heavier than that Benelli. Uh, I carried that Benelli yesterday, and I thought, well, this gun's really nice to carry, and I carried that 1100 today. It's noticeably heavier. It's a pound or two heavier, I'll bet. Them guns aren't as heavy if you shoot them more. No. No. It lightens them up a lot. It lightens them up the more you shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. You don't notice as much when you're carrying them on these hunts. Mm-hmm. But when you, when, when the hunt is as poor 
as this one's been. The longer you carry it without firing it, the heavier it gets. I mm-hmm. promise you yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have no excitement. There was a time or two I even thought, I could probably just leave this gun in a truck and just walk. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't far off. Come on, Lori, let's go for a walk, girl. Yeah, we'll just go. We're just walking. We're just out here exercising. Yeah. 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 She didn't care. No. She's good with it. Yeah, they're just happy to be out running around. Lots of field mice. It is not one of my it's prouder moments. been a good year for them, I guess. Yeah, it's it's a good year for mice. Hey, if your dog pointed them, mine, mine pointed more. I think at one point we had a dog. I don't. I forget which dog it was. But we had. Dog, I've seen dogs no, honoring no, I, other I, dogs I, pointing I, I, mice. Oh, we had we had every dog honoring <laughs> one dog pointing a mouse at one point. Yeah, yes. I, yeah, that happened on more than one occasion. Absolutely, it did. <laughs> Yeah, and the first time it happened, I thought, well, if it wasn't bad enough already, now we're honoring <laughs> mousing. <laughs> and so, this is good. We'll get them back on some birds next week. Yeah, got some things to fix. Yeah, mm, maybe should have brought a little older dog. This isn't the worst bird hunt I've ever been on. No? You say that like this is the worst bird hunt you've been on. <laughs> <laughs> well... It was rough, but I've been on weekend bird hunts where nobody fired a shot. Mm, mm, yeah, it's tough. I I guess, you know, if we went two days and never fired a shot, I would probably get online somewhere and find somebody that was selling birds. Yeah. And at least go buy some and throw out there. Just, That's just, exactly what I did. The last just, time we came out here, we did this. <laughs> we, we walked around here for the better part. Well, we hit a WMA on the way out. We walked out here. We got out here, and we hunted out here about three-quarters of the day. And then we drove to Kansas, hunted the next morning for a couple hours with with no luck. And I drove home, went straight to Scott Walker's and bought 20 birds. And I was hunting the tribe fields with 20 birds. Actually, you went and picked the birds up for me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were running dogs on birds on a Sunday afternoon when I'd spent Friday and Saturday out west. Yeah. Just to drive back home to buy 20 birds from Scott Walker to get some birds back in front of my dogs yeah makes sense yeah yeah i was that frustrated that that was the worst bird hunt i'd ever been on well it, you know and i don't know i guess there's people that would probably could judge and say well the reason you guys aren't finding any birds out there is because you're running your dogs on all these pen raised birds you know maybe that could be an argument but man i run a lot of pen raised birds and i've i've seen my dogs point a lot of wild birds and got a, we've you know we've got a few dogs in the kennel that are exceptional at pointing wild birds, and you know probably take them wild. They probably go wild bird hunting a dozen times at a season, and the rest of the time it's in controlled hunts. You know places preserves preserves. Yep, yep, guiding stuff like that. The rest of the time they're on them kind of deals. But then you can take them out, and we find a lot of wild birds with them. Milo doesn't seem like my dogs have never had much trouble pointing a wild covey of quail. Run into them pretty often. Work with a lot of pen raised birds other times. Yeah. I, I would say that there's probably some truth to a pen raised bird probably is a stronger smelling bird than a wild bird, but a pen raised bird is one bird. And what we're finding in a covey is 20 birds or even 10 birds. There's 10 times the scent with wild birds. Because there's 10 of them, as opposed to one, you could argue it a lot of different ways. But when you're hunting wild birds, there's more of them. I've wondered about that before. Uh, just like I usually haul my quail when I buy quail. Mm-hmm. And I've got one of the plastic, orange plastic crates that you can fit 20 or 25 or so so quail in. 
but whenever you're hauling them, it never fails. Like, they go to the bathroom in there. So, like, your birds are coming out of that crate when you're getting ready to plant them. They've got feces on their legs. They've got it on their wings. Like, I would think it would be harder to get a bird to smell stronger than one of those birds when you pull them out of that crate. Probably so. And I'm sure you could do it better. Like, you could you could <coughs> mitigate that with, with putting wood chips or something in it. Mm-hmm. Is your bird dog pointing on feces or is it pointing on the smell of a bird? Because your dog it, it should de- be able to smell the difference. Yeah, but it, if you mostly work your dog on birds that... Right. A lo- what are you training your bo- dog to point on? Yeah. Does it know that, like, is it associating the two things together? Mm-hmm. And every bird it normally sees, every quail it normally sees, has an extra strong bird feces smell on it. And so that's right. what it's looking for whenever you mm-hmm. take them out to a field, which wild birds aren't going to have that on them at all. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I don't know the answer to the question I'm asking them. Right. Not that I'm really asking a question, just something to chew on. So I guess my so my birds, my pen raised birds that I run. So I've got a I've I've got a big flight not a big I've got a flight pen there at the house. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I work my dog, it's not the same scenario to where you know there's a bunch of bird poop in the crate. I'm but, having to haul mine too. Like you've got a yeah, lot better setup. Yeah, you're, you're uh, hauling, I have to haul thirty miles. Or yeah, 30, a thirty-minute drive. Right. There's a lot of times there at the house, I've got a little bird bag satchel mm-hmm. that I can throw a few shells in one pocket, and then it's got a pouch in there that's four birds. And uh, there's a lot of times I'll go out there and grab two or three birds out of the fly pen and throw them in my satchel, and I'll drive my side by side out there, throw them out, and then go back and get the dog, you know, and go find them. Or I might go. I might go out and throw birds out that morning and go back and find them later on that day, you know, later on in the morning. Leave them out there for a while. Let them run around. That would be a lot better training scenario. So that's primarily what I do with mine. I I don't really like the... I could see what you're talking about, though. Like most guys, when they go and they get birds that they're training with from flight pens or from, you know, places that raise them, most of them guys have to, you know, they got a crate like you're talking about. They go get the birds they might go buy 15, 20 birds and they train on those train with those same birds for a week and those birds live in that same crate that they went and picked them up in. And I, I could see that possibly, you know, being a problem. Um, you know, as silly as it sounds, I guess I'm not, I can't guarantee 100% sure what the bird dog's smelling, but what I've always been told and what I've thought is your bird dogs are smelling the mites that live on the bird. That's actually what they're pointing. That's why the same mites live on a quail, that live on a pheasant, that live on a chucker, that live on a pigeon. There's a different set of mites that live on waterfowl. That's why your bird dog, that's why, as a rule of thumb, usually like these dogs aren't going to run over and point a wounded duck. Mm -hmm. They're just going to go pick him up. Versus if you're hunting quail and you're looking for a wounded quail or, you know, trying to hunt dead and they fall on point. Well, you walk up there and the bird's crippled. He's still alive. I don't know if... And I've heard other people say that they're smelling their breath. And I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. But the mite deal has always made sense to me. So I know dogs... I know they can smell that good. I mean, there's guys training dogs now to look for bed bugs in hotel rooms. You know, making a killing. A lot of them, I think, from what I've heard and read, a lot of them are beagles that they're using for bed bug dogs. A dog's nose is unbelievable. I know... I have noticed that, and it's not. I don't think it would be that uncommon. I'm sure a lot of people would say the same thing. The dog acts different on a live bird versus a dead bird. Whether that dog knows it, that dog doesn't know it. Yeah. But you can tell that dog runs up there and just scoops a, a 
a dead bird up doesn't point it. No, they don't. They, most that, dogs don't. And that yeah. that bird is dead. But if that bird was alive, that's not how it, the dog would have pointed it. You know, and it would have been a totally different. And talk about like a cripple. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. even even a, a wounded bird. A lot of times, I've noticed they act differently. Um, wounded bird. A lot of times they're gonna they're gonna treat it more like a dead bird. Even even though it's still alive, they're gonna they're not gonna point it. They're gonna try to catch it more times than not. A lot of times. Mine are pretty good about pointing cripples. Yeah, they'll they'll fall they'll fall down on him just like he's just like he's fixing a flush. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as hunting, you know, and I've done that. You know, t- I thought the bird was dead, hunt dead. You know, so you tell them they're hunting around there looking for a dead bird and fall on point. And you're like, well, you dummy. Mm-hmm. And so you walk over there and the bird's standing there, but he just can't fly. Or you know, vice versa. And then when you tell them, you know, when they're running around there and that dead bird's mm-hmm. dead, they just swoop him. Up. They don't even hesitate. They just pick him up, and bring him to you. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I haven't noticed any bad habits from running my pin race birds versus Mm-mm. working them on wild birds. I always just figured it takes birds to make bird dogs. It means there's not enough wild birds around. I don't guess you'd ever make a bird dog without pin race birds, but maybe you can. I don't know. And everybody's definition of a bird dog's different. I don't think you'll be able to get away with it in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. You might be able to. I guess I could see that up north, you know, maybe. Where they've got really big bird numbers. You want to make a bird dog in this country, you're going to have to buy some birds. you got to buy the birds. You better, have, you better have a pigeon coop. You better have a fly pen. Or you better yep. not not be afraid to break out a checkbook and buying some birds. I don't know. Just my opinion. said I'm not a professional. I just have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of training with one bird per dog per day. Yeah. I mean, put you can put ten birds in front of a dog and only kill one of them. We've had a lot of luck with that. Yeah. It just depends on the dog. Mm-hmm. And any good dog trainer will tell you the same thing. Every dog's different. They're all going to respond differently. You've got to be able to. You've got to be able to read your dog. You've got to be able to to figure out what works for that dog. They're all. They're all different. You know. That's that's what separates dog trainers from people that have trained dogs. You know. Somebody. Somebody that can that can read him. Somebody that can that can say, hey, that's not going to work on him. Because everybody's got that guy, you know, said, man, you know, like all the old timers, back in the day, way back in the day on bird dogs, everybody's deal was, ah, oh, you got to neuter him. You cut him, he'll quit that. <laughs> that was the answer to everything. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, not exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not all the same. You know, everybody in the coon hunting world had one way to break a dog from treeing possums. And it, it don't work on all of them, you know. And, and some of them, if you know your dog, some of them hounds would just quit treeing possums. They'd eventually... They'd eventually quit it, you know. Some of them you had to break. Some of them break themselves. And it's no different with bird dogs. It's no different with the labs. It's no different with border collies. They're all dogs. And if you can read them and you can you can kind of, you got to be able to read them and you got to be able to know how to adjust. I, I guess how you just got to be smarter than the dog. Stay a step ahead of him. Be able to know what he's fixing to do before he does it, you know. And whether you need to stop it. Or whether you need to let it happen, this be a learning experience. And sometimes those happen too. And sometimes it's comical. When you're training a dog, it's going to learn through experiences, whereas a dog trainer isn't just born. Like, you have to learn how to train a dog. And you're going to have setbacks. You're going you're gonna to mess stuff up. Oh, absolutely. I know I absolutely have. Yeah. Learning from it and taking something away from it, I guess. It's- and, and there's dogs out there 
that you know you can only make them do so much i I think you can train a dog to do about anything if they have if they have the ability and have the want to you can train them to do anything you can't make them do anything at all they gotta have the drive they gotta have the drive she's like a stock dog i can make them go to the right i can make them go to the left i can make them lay down walk up i can make them crawl up i can make them do anything you want to do if they somewhat want to do it you cannot make that dog bite a cow He'll either bite it or he won't. There's no way to force him to bite a cow. Same with the bird dogs. He'll either point them or he won't. And I don't, I don't think you can, you can woe break them. If they don't want to do it, a little hard to make them point. If they have no bird instinct at all. I think, you know, some people have a hard time grasping that fact that we're not all, we're not all meant to make it. <laughs> yeah. It's not for all of them. Yeah, what was the what was that meme? Not all Indians were born hunters. Somebody had to build the fire. <laughs> I'm a far stretch from a bird dog trainer. That's for sure. Uh, you got any recipes on how to make one pheasant feed four grown men? <laughs> how are we going to stretch out one bird? Lots of water. Yeah. Gonna we could make a, a stew. Water. We're going to have to make a pheasant stew. Pheasant stew. With ramen noodles. Fricasseed pheasant. Fricasseeing pheasant. Fricasseeing pheasant. Nobody's going to know what that means. Well, they might. It just depends on if they watched. Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. They've got a fricasseeing license. Yeah. Don't know. Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody's still listening. Y'all stay safe and keep wearing out that boot leather. I just want to give everyone that's listening a sincere thank you. Getting this podcast going has been a project. I really hope you're enjoying it. And if you don't mind, give the show a good rating and review wherever you're listening to it at. Or share it on your social media to help get some traction. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to your feedback.